0: Even though, from a technical perspective, uh, the recession is very likely over at this point, um, it's still going to feel like a very weak economy for some time. Hello and welcome to NPR's
1: Planet Money. I'm Adam Davidson. And I'm Alex Bloomberg. Today is Wednesday, September 16th. That was Ben. You can all thank me, Bernanke, at the top of the podcast. He was talking about how the economy is um, showing signs of recovery. Today on the podcast, we're going to have a little story that Alex and I did on Morning Edition Tuesday. With a little bonus discussion. that just we for the podcast. Have, just for you, the podcast listener, at the end. Um, but first, the Planet Money Indicator. <laughs> nice, uh, nice theatrics. Thank you. Um, it is as those papers you just will indicate point four percent. That is the
0: consumer price index, or more specifically, how much. Prices in the United States, as measured by the Bureau of Labor Statistics, rose in the month of
1: August. Oh, and it actually is on those papers. It is. Oh, normally you just wave papers around to illustrate And pretend <laughs> that it's something Oh, but else. this is the actual those, papers. These oh, are the actual good. papers. Yeah.
0: So basically, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, a part of the U.S. Department of Labor, looks at the prices of all sorts of goods. They call it a basket of goods, but it's things like housing and gas prices and autos and clothes and who knows what else. and Figures out how much have prices gone up by. It's
1: a it's a way to measure inflation. So. And and Adam, you you have a little bit of a of a of a, of a- website problem with a... B- you like to cruise the BLS website, don't you?
0: I do like to cruise the BLS website. <laughs> if yeah. you search BLS, and, uh, which has lots of cool, geeky economic data, and if you look up BLS CPI in Google or on our website, we link to it at npr.org slash money, you can actually see the numbers broken out, which I have in front of me, and which actually gives you the real story. When you hear prices overall went up 0.4%, uh, actually some things went up a lot
1: I'm looking at the, yeah, for example, like if you look at energy, it's all over the place. Sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down. Gasoline, for example, it was up, uh, let's see, it was up 9.1% in August, but then it was down um, 4% in March, and then it was up 17.3% in June. It's all over the place.
0: So anyone knows. Obviously, gas prices bounce around. You don't really want to base your inflation estimates on gas prices because they'll just fluctuate so much. So when they strip away the things that are really volatile, they come up with prices rose in August by 0.1%. That's really virtually nothing and is uh, not a cause of concern. But if the number did start increasing rapidly, that would mean inflation may be rearing its ugly head, and that would freak everybody out, and that's all you'd ever hear about.
1: And then it would be, Ben, you can spank me, Bernanke.
0: Nice. I don't Thank think you. you're allowed to say things like that. <laughs> <laughs> All, All right, right. So on to our story. Yes. This is a story we did for Morning Edition yesterday. It was to, I was about to say celebrate, <laughs> commiserate about the one-year anniversary of the U.S. government uh, letting Lehman Brothers collapse and the crisis that unfolded that we've all spent the last year living through, the uh, story we did was about regulatory reform. So if you remember a year ago in September, October, there were lots of people saying we have to fundamentally change how our regulatory regime works. On this show, we've talked a lot about the ideological partisan issues that Mm -hmm. make it very hard to accomplish. But this is a story, Alex, about how even when everyone agrees, you still cannot get some basic reforms passed. So without further ado,
1: here's the story. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the nightmare that is regulatory reform, a world where even universal consensus means nothing. Pretty much everyone agrees The Democrats
0: are Republicans. We have too many regulators, just way too many.
1: We should merge a bunch of them. That's right. Take AIG. They were watched over by 400 different agencies around the world, dozens in the U.S., and nobody noticed that the company was on the verge of taking down the entire global economy.
0: This problem we're talking about, it has a name. Economists call it regulatory arbitrage. That's when more than one regulator oversees the same kind of activity. Financial firms always find a way to play one of them off against the other. It's like what every four-year-old has figured out. If mommy won't let you, Maybe daddy will. Or worse, if mommy thinks daddy is watching you and daddy thinks mommy is watching you, well, you can get away with just about anything. So, Adam,
1: there's something else Democrats and Republicans agree on. The simple solution to this problem of regulatory arbitrage is never going to happen. Take one of the most glaring examples, the bizarre division of labor between the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, and the CFTC, the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. You know those exchanges where you see all the traders yelling
0: at each other, buying and selling stocks or pork belly futures or whatever? That's what these guys regulate. And they divide things in a weird way. If you buy and sell stocks, your overseer is the SEC. If you buy and sell stock index futures
1: and other things that take place in the future, you get the CFTC. Much of this crisis is linked to all sorts of strange financial products that fell between the cracks of the SEC and the CFTC. Jeb Hensarling, a Republican congressman from Texas who is one of the
0: staunchest free market advocates, says this makes no sense. Merge them into one. That way, none of these financial products get overlooked. Barney Frank, the Democrat from
1: Massachusetts, the ideological opposite of Jeb Pencerling. Obviously, we all we all know now, anybody, that it would have been better not to have had two separate entities, it would have been better to have just one.
0: It is now and will be politically impossible to put the two together. See what we mean? Barney Frank is one of the most powerful people in Congress when it comes to financial reform issues. He wants the SEC and the CFTC to merge. He says so all the time. And he is one man who knows better than anybody why it never will. Actually, Adam, there's this one
1: other guy who might know even better than Barney Frank.
2: Barney did not want to fight that fight. And uh, he saw what I went through and he just figured it's just not worth it. And I think he's probably right.
1: This is Mike Oxley. He used to have Barney Frank's job as chairman of the House Financial Services Committee. The Financial Services Committee oversees one of these two agencies that we're talking about, the SEC.
0: Oxley was a Republican representative from Ohio. He says this crazy system of two agencies looking over the same thing comes out of ancient financial history. The SEC was created to look over stock traders who were mostly in New York. The CFTC started life as a different agency to look over the activities of farmers trading grain
1: futures, mostly in Chicago. These grain traders loved their regulator, which lived in a basement of the Department of Agriculture. They saw it as friendly and easy to work with, and they fought every effort from the larger New York-focused SEC to come to town and watch over things, which is why the CFTC today is still overseen by the Agriculture Committee. Over the
0: last 30 years, it's been harder to tell the difference between securities in New York and futures in Chicago, most of which today have nothing to do with grain or anything that comes from farms. But as former Financial Services Committee Chair Mike Oxley discovered, once you create two agencies, it's really hard to convince them to merge
1: into one. Oxley tried in the early 2000s and got nowhere, which he sure is just where Barney Frank would get if he tried to do it as well.
2: Basically, you go to the speaker, and the speaker would say, "Are you out of your mind?" And uh, that'd be the end of it. Which is exactly what I did. <laughs> right. But I knew it was an uphill battle to begin with, and so I just uh, uh, I had some people close to me in leadership, and I went to them, and I got the I got the word. So I mean,
0: you mean you uh, went to other people like the? Oh, sure. And They said, "Forget it, pal. Don't fight this." Pretty much, me. yeah.
1: So one question, why is this a fight? Why are people battling over the right to regulate financial futures? We got some insight on this from Ben Nighthorse Campbell, who's a good person to talk to about this. He was in the House and the Senate on the banking and agriculture committees. And in fact, he was a Democrat and a Republican at different points in his career. He said, imagine if the Speaker of the House takes one of these two agencies away
0: from a committee chairman. That chairman would be really miserable.
2: He loses a group that may be very... Uh, interested in getting him reelected as an example. Uh, I see. Which it relates to you know, money for reelection and all kinds of stuff, votes for reelection.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and is it as straightforward as I want that group of lobbyists to no. keep giving me money? Nope.
2: Nope. It's it's uh, I think it's much more subtle than that.
0: You can look at this whole thing really cynically. If I'm a committee chairman I don't want to give up those big donations from
1: lobbyists. Or you can look at it just sort of cynically. The more a chairman oversees, the bigger the budget he gets, the more staff, the nicer office, cooler congresspeople want to be on his committee. It's easier to trade favors in exchange for votes that benefit his constituents. Or dare we say it, you can look at
0: this really idealistically. The more you oversee, the more power you have to make the world a better
1: place. The point is, whatever kind of congressperson you are, you want to hold on to your jurisdiction. Which means the way Congress works, it's almost impossible to end regulatory arbitrage. Even right now, one year after regulatory arbitrage helped cause that
0: huge financial crisis, Mike Oxley says trying to merge those agencies is like
1: beating a dead horse. Worse than beating a dead horse.
2: That horse is not only dead, but it's been dissected and uh, ground up for uh, horse meat.
0: Give it up. All right. Once you give up, you can have peace with it.
2: It's just like I'm never going to beat Tiger Woods. All right. I've just I've come to I've just I've come to terms with that issue.
0: What do you think think's more likely that you'll beat Tiger Woods or the CFTC and the SEC will merge? Oh, I'll beat Tiger Woods before the CFTC and the SEC are merge. Yeah.
1: A few months ago, Barney Frank and Colin Peterson, the chairman of the Financial Services Committee and the Agriculture Committee, announced that the SEC and the CFTC would stay separate, but they'd all work together more closely.
0: And this month, the two agencies held their first ever joint meeting, complete with all sorts of finance experts to discuss ways to prevent financial products from slipping through
1: the cracks. And at that very meeting, some of those experts said, hey guys, you shouldn't be two agencies talking about working together. You should merge. You should be one. I'm Alex Bloomberg.
0: And I'm Adam Davidson, NPR News, New York. And now I'm Adam Davidson, Planet Money. Headquarters, right. New York.
1: Right. We are back with you live, live-ish. <laughs> live-ish on yeah. the
0: podcast. So that was a story. Um, so that hearing we talked about, we didn't get time to play tape from it in the story, but we really found the tape fascinating in its own way, and we wanted to bring some of it to you here on the podcast. Right,
1: because this meeting, there's this weird tone, this awkward acknowledgement of these two contradictory realities. One, the CFTC and the SEC should be one. Two- There's no way they ever will be.
0: So what do you do when you're faced with these contradictory realities? You have a really awkward meeting, which brings us to Washington, D.C., a couple weeks ago when the chairs of the SEC and the CFTC stood on a dais together and said they will act as much like one agency as two divided agencies can. Here first is Gary Gensler. He's the chair of the CFTC.
2: (laughs) There? Oh, there we go. I'm calling to order this joint
0: meeting of the Commodity Futures Trading Commission and the Securities and Exchange Commission. I'd also like to note the historic nature of the meeting. It's the first joint meeting in the
1: history of our two agencies. I I find it sort of insane that this is the first time they've met in their entire history. I mean, they've been around for decades, both these agencies. Um, But also, all through this hearing, regulators from both of these agencies are getting up and saying the same – types of things with the same types of subtext and the subtext is we know it's sort of crazy this two-headed system we have but we also know it won't change so i guess our only choice is to try to work together as much as possible
0: like here's one of the cftc commissioners bart chilton
2: i've got a written statement but i'm not going to read it that's okay uh i've got really just one point and that uh for decades some of these issues have been around and like uh, uh Uh, Many of my colleagues have said, you know, we've got uh, different legislative mandates, but we've got similar missions to have efficient and effective markets. And uh, we're two agencies, but uh, I'm very optimistic that today uh, I'm I'm hopeful that we're going to
1: start acting like we're one government. Thank you. I don't want to call Bart Chilton a liar, but I'm not sure... That he actually is hopeful. <laughs> he does not sound. You do not hear hope in his voice. No, no. He's saying he's hopeful, but I don't know if I believe it. Um, finally, one of the panelists, Annette Nazareth, who's a who's a lawyer and used to work for the SEC, she just comes right out and and says it
0: my own view is in an ideal world congress should have reconciled these issues and and probably have merged the agencies and let you reconcile some of these differences from within but that is not where we are today and so i um uh, applaud you in doing the best you can in trying to reconcile these differences um i comment on a number of issues in my uh, prepared
1: statement you know statement. it's i don't know if it's congress. just me um, to me, they sound sort of sad. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to tell the normal sort of regulatory hearing drone apart from a deeper emotional anguish. But to me, I think, I do think they sound sort of beaten down by this this sort of paradoxical paradoxical position they're they're all in.
0: And 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 there was from the chair people, Mary Shapiro and Gary Gensler, just sort of desperate effort to say, hey, we are working together. We like each other. And I'm sure they do do like each other. As far as we can tell, they're working very well together. But a point that came up a lot is fundamentally these are two separate agencies. We don't know how long Mary Shapiro and Gary Gensler are going to be the chairs. And these agencies have historically battled each other, caused openings for banks and other financial institutions to create regulatory arbitrage to find cracks in the system and exploit those.
1: And on that world as it is, not as it might be, note, uh, let's wrap it up. Um, but before we go, we have this one special request.
0: Yeah. You, you know how you, I get this all the time? The bills from your insurance company, these right. medical bills that make absolutely no sense, $50 for gauze or $180 for aspirin, or you get two bills for the same
1: thing. Or there's this line at the bottom that says, this is the price that you may owe. Right. Well, I'm always like what do you mean do I, I can it or not? we yeah. can,
0: like work this out so we want you to send in your crazy medical and insurance billing experiences and your questions to us here at planetmoney at npr.org and other questions and comments and thoughts and pictures that you have you can also go to our blog Npr.org slash money I'm Alex Bloomberg and I'm Adam Davidson thank you for listening